Welcome back to the Call Game Podcast. Today we have a special guest, Max Brumstead, who will be going over top young players in the league at the moment. We've talked about it a lot off the podcast, and we wanted to bring him on and get his opinions, and I think it would be interesting to have a group discussion about this. So we each went out and made our top 10 25 and under player in the league list, and I'm curious to see what you guys have. Yep. Uh, the main reason Max is on here is because he's a, a deer and fox defender, and we just need to prove him wrong and yeah. tell him that deer and fox is not the greatest point guard of all time. We'll see so, about that. All right. So, so going into that, let's hear you guys' list. I'll go first. I have Luca number one. If you don't have Luca number one, okay. I'm pretty confused. I have Zion number two. I put Tatum three. Booker, 4, Mitchell, 5, Carl Anthony Towns, 6, Bam, 7, Jalen Brown, 8, Ben Simmons, 9, and either De'Aaron Fox or Shea, 10, but I'm going to go with Shea, I think. That's a really good list. What do you have? All right. Well, my list, pretty similar. Luka, number 1. I picked Tatum over Zion. I just don't know how Zion's career is going to go injury-wise, so I'm going Tatum. I put Mitchell at four, Booker at five, Carl uh, Anthony Towns. I'm putting Shea at seven, mm-hmm. then Bam at eight, Brown at nine, and Fox at ten. All right, yeah, we're all pretty similar. I went Luca one, Zion two, Tatum three, Booker four, Mitchell five, Fox six, Bam seven, Brown eight, Shea. Or Lamelo nine, and then Shea ten. Oh shoot! I totally forgot about Lamelo. Um, Lamelo's interesting. Do we want to just? Yeah, let's talk about well, that. I, I, all right. So Lamelo, obviously the ESPN came out and they had him like four, I think. And Lamelo's interesting. It's, it's really hard to tell where you want to put him. Like it's hard to project that far into the future because he's like nineteen or twenty. He's very young and obviously got injured with hand. He's probably going to be out for the majority of the rest of the season. But I had him at nine over Shea, who's probably more proven than Lamelo, but I just think his upside is there, but where do you guys have him if, I don't know if you forgot about him, I know Max, you're not an avid Lamelo fan, but Lewis, where do you think Lamelo should land? Um, I think I have him outside of the top 10, I mean, I feel like you can't really put him above guys like, as much as I hate to say it, I don't think you can put him above Deer and Fox yet, I mean, it's totally... I, I wouldn't, like, be mad at you if you say that, mm-hmm. but I think he's not quite at that level yet. I think he's really close to top 10. Like, he's probably, like, 12 for me, mm-hmm. but I think he's not quite there yet. If you look at, like, just this season and, like, guys might be injured or having down years, maybe he has a spot, but I just don't think he does yet. For me, I think Lamelo and Fox versus Fox is an interesting debate, but... I put Fox a lot higher than you guys, and we'll get into that later, but I think Lamella just has too many, like, question marks. Like, I thought he shot, like, uncharacteristically well from three for him this season. He was shooting, like, just under 40%. Now he's closer to 35, but I think he's going to be around a high-volume three-point shooter around the 32 33% range, and I think that could hurt him in the playoffs. I also think his defense is terrible, and it shows with the Hornets defensive ratings on and off the court. But I think those holes are 
I mean, he's obviously young and he can. He has the defensive upside in terms of his height and length, but his passing right now is already top tier in my opinion. I think just the upside with his passing already being there, his height, his defensive potential, and he's been able to get to the rack and finish well too. So I just feel like his projection for his career is enough to get him inside the top 10 right now. Yeah, I think if you look at like potential, I would definitely have him up there and have him above guys like Fox. And as much as I hate to say it, I'd probably have him above like Jalen Brown in the future just because mm-hmm. those are guys that seems like we kind of already know what they're gonna be and Lamelo's so young that like and already so good we don't really know what he can become max what are your thoughts on Lamelo? because i know you're not high on him well Lamelo, i think he's a great player i'm just not all over the social media hype about him i think that he'll turn out pretty similar to lonzo i think he'll probably have a better career than lonzo but when it comes down to it I don't see him being that superstar player, that franchise player. I just don't see it happening. I think he'll be solid all around. But at the moment, a little overrated. Yeah, I do agree with you. I mean, if you, like, scroll through Instagram, if Lamelo has, like, a nice play, it's going to be everywhere. But that's just kind of how it works with social media. You I said wanna... something interesting. Oh, go ahead. No, you go, you go. All right, you said he wasn't a franchise player, and I agree he's obviously not a franchise player yet, but it's interesting because since he's been drafted to the Hornets, the Hornets franchise has taken a completely different direction. They used to be not a laughing stock, but without Kemba, you really thought they were going to drop off, and now they're in solid playoff contention, and I feel like since Lamelo has been there, they have become a lot more successful, so... I'm not saying he's a franchise player, but so far to begin his career, he has like changed the franchise in a positive way. So something interesting to look forward. But go ahead, Lewis. I just wanted. I think the like top three. I think all of us had Tatum, Zion, and Luca, um, and Luca number one. I just wanted to talk about Zion versus Tatum. Yeah, let's talk Tatum. about the top three, and I think that there's some interesting points to get through there. I think if you're looking at potential, I would put Zion above Tatum. I think right now Tatum is probably a better player, I guess. But mm-hmm. I think that um, it's if Zion isn't a better player than Tatum already, he's really close, and I think it won't take too much longer to pass him because I don't really see how Tatum is going to expand his game much more other than like the playmaking. And Zion playmaking is so young one. that like I feel like he can just really improve. This is obviously coming off Tatum's 53-point game, so it's not the best time to be making anti-Tatum like arguments, but I just feel like Zion is going to be better than him. What do you guys think about that? Well, I feel like... Alright, go ahead, Max. Looking at it, I'd say, obviously, right now Tatum's got the edge, but potential-wise, I'll give it to Zion. But if we're looking at Zion's career, he's been very injury-prone. Someone very athletic is prone to get injured again. It will happen. And I think there's a decent chance that one of those injuries is going to knock him back pretty far, putting other younger guys in front of him. Also, the fact that he can't really shoot in his entire game is just based on bullying kids inside. I think eventually injuries will get to him, and he won't be 
that top, top player. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like the top three guys all have, like, concerns around them, and Zion obviously has the biggest. I just think he's putting up insane numbers with such holes in his game. Like, he can't shoot at all, but he's still putting up almost 27 points per game, mm-hmm. seven rebounds, four assists, 61% shooting, 36 from three, but very low uh, clip. But he can't shoot basically at all, and he's just bullying kids. And that's, like, good and all, but I also see that as a concern with how that's going to age, like, as he gets – can he restrain that when he's, like, 33? Or is this going to be, like, a five- to seven-year career, like, kind of a Dwight Howard thing where he's dominant for – stretch of time and then kind of falls off but if he gets the three-point shot I think that would help uh, Pelicans a lot at least with Steven Adams down low I think Steven Adams was actually a bad position with the, the four days in Zion but I feel do you guys feel like Zion can be the best player on a championship team I know it's early but a lot of like especially with the new NBA like power forwards he's more of a power forward power forward uh Small forward mix, maybe even a small ball five. I think that would be a lineup that Stan Van Gundy's missing out on, Zion at the five. But I'm wondering if he's a championship, like, number one option on a championship team. I mean, you. I think he is. I mean, he's only 20, and he's putting up mm-hmm. almost 27 a game, and he's one of the most efficient players in the NBA, um, like, shooting such a high percentage. I think... You have to put the right players with him, and I don't really think the Pelicans have done that, which is why it's even more amazing that he's playing so well. Because, right, like guys like point. Stephen Adams, even like Brandon Bledsoe. Ingram, doesn't make a ton of sense with him. I think if you put him with a point guard that can like really space the floor and also pass, and then I, I you feel like that's Lonzo's the, upside with that right. team. It, yeah, Lonzo is like like a. Yeah, he would. Lonzo's good for Zion, but I think he, you're obviously going to need more for like a finals team. But Lonzo is mm-hmm. like a base version of what they should be looking for to I pair think, with Zion. Yeah, I think the ideal option would be put Lonzo at the two and have more of a facilitating point guard at the one to kind of get Zion in good post positions and sets like that. But it's just interesting with how Zion's putting up these numbers and the team success of them there. I mean, their offense is some of the best in the league. They just can't play any defense. And another thing I have to say about Zion is, like, I do keep saw him, like, jumping out of the gym, but I don't feel like his athleticism is fully there yet, which is crazy to say. Like, just watching a few of the Pelicans games, it doesn't seem like he has that same necessarily balance that he had at Duke, and that could just because he's playing in the NBA. But that injury risk is going to be with him for his entire career until he proves people otherwise just because of that notion of him being such a big man and carrying around all 284 pounds of him at 6'7". So we've never really seen anything like Zion before, so we can't base it off of anything. Max, I know you watch a lot of college basketball. What do you think about Zion at Duke compared to now? I mean, I think Zion had the ability to be more of a flashy player at Duke and being more worried about his NBA career it's kind of led to not being that like obviously it's very explosive but I think he's all about layups around the rim when it came to Duke I mean competition was a lot less and he was able to dunk everything but I do see Zion getting his hops back or getting those posters back up pretty soon 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, when you're going up against like seven footers every night, it's obviously a lot harder to dunk on them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I still think you do see like the explosiveness. Like when he does like a spin move towards the middle, it just, it's unlike anything else. Yeah, it's quick. Yeah. And I, yeah. And that's an interesting point. Just like him being around the rim and it, I can't envision it yet just because we haven't seen anything like him, like in the NBA's finals game. I know they've been doing point Zion a little bit and it seems to be working, but just having him spin into the lane and I feel like he gets swallowed up and forced. I feel like the next step, obviously, besides shooting for Zion, is like playmaking because if he spins into the lane, teams in the playoff are going to just take away Zion and he's going to have to spray it out to shooters, which obviously they don't have right now, which is kind of the problem with the Pelicans. But he's just so young. I think he deserves the number two spot to put up 27 points a game when he's not even 21. It's just crazy, and I feel like he's deserving of that number two spot. But I want to get into the number one spot because I have a lot of opinions on Luka, but I want to hear what you guys have to say first. I think just at this point, there you really can't make a very valid argument for anyone else. I mean, he's mm-hmm. just, like, so amazing, and he's, at, like, he's almost putting up 29 a game. He's... Not, like, percentage-wise, but efficiency rating-wise, he's almost as efficient as Zion. He's shooting a higher percentage from three this year. He's got that up. I think he's just such an, a such a good scorer and passer. And he, I mean, just looking at that team that he's working with, he's doing pretty well considering what he has around him, and I don't think really anybody else on this list can do that, do what he's doing. Yeah. Well, I think Luka clearly has the edge over everybody here. I mean, just Mr. Triple-Double eventually. He's very good at getting rebounds. The assists are always there. He's elite at scoring. But when it comes to the Mavericks, I just don't see them being a very championship-like team. Like, he could be averaging a triple-double and they still be bottom of the West, so... Do you mean that as, like, Luka can't be a number one, or you mean, like, their team as it's currently constructed? Like, even with Luka playing at his very best, Mavericks are still not going to be very good. Chris Tapps just is not that level at a championship-level team. At the moment, Dallas doesn't have too many other threats. Yeah, and I feel like that's honestly feeding into the Luka hype because he's really doing this all on his own. He's having highest, some of the highest usage percentage since Russell Westbrook triple first triple-double season. And he's averaging 28-8-8 and basically on 50% shooting. And the real question for him was the three-point shooting. And this season he's shooting seven, 37%, which is pretty good considering how many threes he's taking. And I just feel like he's doing everything for that team. And if he gets some more help, like you said, Max, like Kristaps is probably a better number three option on a championship team than a two kind of in the Chris Bosch role. But I think if he gets some more help, he can really excel and his team can excel. And I feel like I normally say this, that like point guards I don't think can be number one options on championship teams. Obviously Steph Curry was probably one of the first people to do that. Like true point guards, like smaller point guard, I guess. Luca is tall in terms of point guard status, but you saw him hit clutch shots against the Clippers in the bubble. And I normally don't say this about cards, but I think he can be the number one option just with how much he controls the ball, controls the pace of the game. But I'm curious to see how he's going to play with other 
stars if they yeah. get him another star because just how much he needs the ball to do what he does. I mean, the best player we've seen him play with, unless I'm forgetting someone, is this like injured, not that good Kristaps Porzingis, and I think like you see his passing. Everyone knows he's a great passer, but I think it'll be really interesting to see how good he can be and how good he can make other stars like with his passing. And maybe he can't. Maybe. If he could, Porzingis would. We wouldn't be talking about Porzingis like he sucks. But I just think if we haven't really seen him with other stars, and if you put him with other stars, I think instantly that could be a finals team. Kristaps Porzingis is averaging twenty points a game, nine rebounds, and shooting thirty-six percent from three. I feel like he isn't as hundred percent healthy yet. In the bubble, he was playing a lot better until he got injured, and that's when they were two-two with the Clippers, and I thought they were actually going to win. Or not win that series, but go to game six and with them until Kristaps went down, and that really changed the whole outlook of the series. But it's just interesting because I really do, if the Mavs bring in someone like Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal is going to obviously want the ball, and Luka's going to have to play off ball a lot. And if I'm a team, I'm going to let Luka shoot that catch and shoot three. And I think Luka, with the amount of people qualified for shooting three, shoots the lowest percent of catch and shoot three league. Because he's just on the ball so much. So I'm wondering if he's going to get worn out or tired over his career from just having to play make and be the scorer and be everything for that team. But you saw Westbrook do it. Could this be another situation? I'm not saying this is because he's still so young. But there is a world where he's another a lot of stats, not a lot of success in the playoffs, kind of like Russell Westbrook. Because they do put up very similar stat sheets, and they do it in different ways, but... I don't know, I could see it kind of taking a bad turn if they don't get him some help and he just continues this role of I'm doing everything by myself because no one can progress and become a better player in the system that's currently in place. Max, I want to hear want to hear what you have to say about this, but I just want to quickly say like the difference with Westbrook is a lot his like playoff his lack of playoff success was uh, is a bigger deal to me because he played for played for such a long time with Kevin Durant and James Harden right. and Luca still hasn't had the chance to like do that or like play with players that are at that level so obviously like if he does play with guys that are I mean that's obviously like one of the most talented teams of this decade but if he gets to play with other stars and still doesn't have success I think that's a valid argument but I feel like we can't really say that until he plays with other stars. Just a real yeah. quick question for you is before Max goes. Do you think the Mavs are a free agent destination for Luka? Like, do you think they can bring in guys? I know they made a run at Giannis mm. and it didn't really work out. Maybe Bradley Beal is an option for them in the offseason. I know Mark Cuban's going to be active. He has been in the past, but they've missed on Dwight Howard, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. So I just want to know, if can, is that a franchise that you think could bring in those big names for Luka? Or do you think Luka's going to have to recruit? I think it depends on the type of player because I don't think Dallas is like a super attractive place to go. I think if you're looking, if it's a player who's smart about where they want to go, it could be a destination just because it doesn't take much of a brain to realize that playing with Luka will be good for your career. So mm -hmm. I think it could possibly be, but I'm not sure it's going to be super easy for them to bring people in.
Yeah. Well, going back to Luca and Russell Westbrook, I mean, like, as you see with Russell Westbrook, even, I know, not on that super team, but with the Wizards, he can average a triple-double, mm-hmm. and the Wizards will still be a very bad team. And I don't think Luca will be what Russell Westbrook is. I think Luca has a lot more shooting and a lot more clutchness. And I think he is a lot more offensive-driven. But I don't see the Mavericks bringing in any super team. I think it would be better for them to bring in a bunch of young guys with draft picks or just surround Luca with shooters. Right now the Mavericks are... They're sitting 7th in the West, so they'd be in a play-in game, but probably make the playoffs. They're having a good season at 29-22. and 22. They're just in that stacked Western Conference. but It's just an interesting team. I think they're going to be around that like 6-7 range for a while until they can get a third star in there for Luka. Yeah, We've I We've spent agree. a lot of time on Luka. I think it might be time to go on yeah. to Tatum. And I think those top three guys are kind of separated themselves from the rest and we get into the rest later because those are more like bunched together and that's where like the controversy comes in but I feel like Tatum Tatum's the typical like you think of the best player on the championship team it's the six seven wing who can score and shoot over guys in a clutch late situation like a Kobe build I'm not saying he's Kobe or LeBron build he's obviously not LeBron but yeah he thinks he's Kobe but he's that type of body and that type of he's like six ten supposedly, which he looks a lot bigger than he did as a rookie. But he can shoot, he can pass. He's becoming a better passer with the Celtics. He's been forced into a playmaking role since Gordon Hayward left, but he's becoming a better passer. He obviously has defensive upside with his length. I I just think as a Celtics fan, he's gonna be here for a long time and hopefully. But I wanna hear Lewis your opinion as a Celtics fan and Max's opinion as a outsider looking in because Lewis and I obviously have very biased opinions as a Celtics fan and we watch him every night but for someone like you Max who doesn't watch him every night necessarily what do you see? Well I see Tatum being that I think the Celtics are in pretty good position right now with Tatum being For the that, future Yeah definitely they have young mm-hmm. guys Tatum and Brown being both under 25 I think that's great and I do see Brown I mean, obviously Tatum's going to be the better of the two, the more dominant. But I still see Brown's going to be, if not better than An this all-star. season, the same as this season. Yeah. yeah, like a all-star for a while. So I see the Celtics, like, the Celtics made it pretty far last year in the playoffs. So I see them probably doing that again this year. I don't know what Tatum's career will look like exactly, but I think he definitely will be that franchise player for the Celtics for many years to come. I think yeah. that's interesting you said that, Max. Sorry to jump in here with us real quick, but as Celtics fans inside the Celtics like bubble, we say, like, oh, no, the sky's falling, trade Tatum and Brown. But for a lot of people outside the Celtics, they look in and say they still have two mm-hmm. young all-stars who have made it to the Eastern Conference Finals two or three times in their young careers, three times for Jalen, two times for Tatum. And they've been having winning seasons their entire career, so it's not time to push the panic button if you're in the Celtics inner circle. Not inner circle, but like just a fan of the Celtics because you still have these NBA fans looking and being like, you guys are still set for the next 10 years with two pillars for your franchise. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I think although this season has been rough, we do have like a pretty good situation. Um, I think... 
Tatum has like the talent and the potential to be like a top three to five player in the NBA at his peak. Yeah. Like maybe win an MVP. Um, I think it's just up to him really on like yes. how he wants to play. Like in that fifty three point game, I'll pull up the stats. I wanna you say he, he only aggressive. made like six threes. Um his free throws. He was though, he had so like nice twelve free throws. And when he just gets to the rack it opens everything up for him. And when he's just and like others. dancing around doing step backs, it's not really that great. You're like he's not he can't be James Harden and just run around and do like sidesteps and step backs because he's not good enough at that. He needs like to focus on getting to the rim and getting to the free throw line and just having that open up the rest of his game. And I think if he does that, he ha- like the sky's the limit and he could be definitely a number one option and win some MVPs. Yeah, a cool little fact about Tatum is with the qualified players, he's one of the worst at finishing around the rim. And I feel like that's another step he can take with, because he does get to the rack a lot. Like he puts his shoulder down and just kind of hopes for the foul. He's also one of the lowest, like he gets some of the lowest foul calls. I'm not saying he gets like screwed, but he goes to the rack like 11 times a game and only generates like one or two free throws a game. So just him being more like getting those easy buckets, because you see with Tatum, I know Lewis, you watch them a lot as do I, but when he gets that like easy bucket, maybe like a backdoor cut or like a wide open corner three, he can go on one of those ten point runs that make him look like a special player. But a lot of the times, if he's struggling and the offense isn't working, he tries to shoot himself out of a slump with those step back threes. And I think he needs to work inside out, like get to the line, get some easy buckets, then start working his way out to those heat check threes and those step back threes that he can make consistently when he's really going. Because you saw it pretty much the whole night against the Timberwolves, but, like, as a Sussex fan, you see these stretches where Tatum just looks unguardable, and he's hitting shots that are Kobe-esque, and I feel like that's the next step for Tatum, like, consistency and knowing when to turn on his aggressiveness and turn it off and just finishing around the rim. Yeah, I agree with every, everything you said there. I think he just needs to work on maybe some shot selection a little bit and then just improve mm-hmm. his skills in Leadership. general. And he'll but be he's still really so young. Good. Yeah. So, any closing thoughts on those top three, Max, or Lewis in general? Um, I think the top three is pretty solid. I do see Booker and Mitchell any time in the next couple of years getting into that top three from their Mm -hmm. age group. Definitely Booker, in my opinion. But real quick, Max, you put Tatum over Zion. Why did you do that? Is it just injury concern? Yeah, I just... Zion, yeah. all he's shown as being a beast in the paint. You know, I mean, you have Tatum, who's just all around, more experience, better. And more success. We just don't know what's going to happen with Zion's career. And definitely around that injury in the next five years, I still see Tatum being better than Zion. Injury, all right, so continue your point, Max, with Booker and Mitchell, because I feel like those two are very similar players their teams are very successful this season and we can get into these two for a long time and their teams and I just want to hear your point because you're starting to get into it yeah well around Booker and the Suns I feel like both of these teams have solid veteran point guards and Mike Connolly and um, Chris Paul I think Chris Mm -hmm. Paul is like the main reason that the Suns are good 
but you still have Booker, who's elite offense, and the pull-up mid-range. And Mitchell is just all around a beast. He's just high-scoring, and they have Rudy Gobert in the center. So I see both these teams are pretty similar. But overall, like Donovan or Booker, I would have Booker just because of his offense right now. Yeah, I agree with you there. I'll take. I would take Booker. I think they're very similar. Well, they're sort of similar. They're both shooting guards that can score. Don't play a ton of defense, but like, Not I think. Yeah, I think. Um, I like Booker more. He's a little more efficient. Like, I feel like the issue. Yeah, the issue with Donovan Mitchell is sometimes he like takes thirty-five shots in a game. And that's not really what you want, and that isn't really a recipe for success unless you're like Michael Jordan. So I think I think I'll take Booker just based on like his. He seems like a player who's not like he's like smarter, and he has that same level of an offensive game. I think what you said about the Suns and the uh, Jazz being similar is interesting. I want to get your opinions on. Like, which team you think is better? Because they're 1-2 and two in the West right now. Yeah. I mean, I know they just played, and the Suns won. And I think the Suns were more, like... I think Jazz did have a bad game. I don't know if they shot, like, 5 from 30 from 3 or whatever. But the Suns were definitely... I mean, the Suns, like, every time, it'd be Chris Paul or Devin Booker pull up mid-range. And even if they miss, like, DeAndre... And would be on the glass almost every play. So right now, I still have to go with the Suns. My opinion, Chris Paul is still All Star worthy, and he's a beast. What do you think, Zach? Um, we're just talking about the Mitchell Booker right now, or Suns Jazz. Suns Jazz. Jazz. That's really tough. I, I just feel like the Jazz are a lot of make-or-miss team. Like, they shoot a lot of threes, make a lot of threes, but in the plus, we don't know how that's going to be yet. I mean, the Jazz haven't had a lot of playoff success. They've been bounced out in the first round a lot, and I feel like Chris Paul's experience will show through more, but the Jazz as a team have a lot more playoff experience because they've all, that core has been in the playoffs so many times together. Even though they haven't had a lot of success, maybe this is the year they break through. And the Suns only have Jay Crowder and, uh, Chris Paul, who have playoff experience, so I would have to go with, if I were comparing the two, I would go with the Suns just because of Chris Paul, and I feel like his leadership, even though their players don't have experience, I feel like his leadership will be able to kind of push those guys through to the next level, and I think Chris Paul knows what it takes to win. I mean, he hasn't actually won, but he's been on a lot of successful teams, and he's been in the league, and he's seen, been around guys like LeBron, and I feel like the Suns overall just have a... I like their pieces more. I just think they're going to be more consistent. and But those two teams are just so similar in my opinion that I wouldn't be mad if you went either way. Yeah, I agree. I would go with the Suns just pretty much because of Chris Paul. Like, I think you can say that Booker and Mitchell are pretty similar and they kind of cancel each other out. But the difference is really that the Suns Paul, can Gobert. go to Chris Paul or... Yeah. Um, Booker and the Jazz like I guess you can say you go to Mike Conley or like Jordan Clarkson but like it's not the same as having Chris Paul and I wanted to point out the Suns have um, 
one of the they play with some of the slowest pace in the NBA, and they take some of those mid-range shots in the NBA, and they are still so good offensively, and I think that really lends itself to success in the playoffs. Yeah, when you need to slow the game break. down and like yeah. get a bucket, and they have guys that can do that, and they have an offense that can do that, and I think that they'll have. They might like I could see them having a deep playoff run. Definitely. After those two, you get into Fox, Bam, Brown, Shea, Carl Anthony Townsend, Lamelo. We've already talked about Lamelo, but where, where'd you go after Booker and Mitchell? So I think we're at six through ten. Yeah. Just re- remind me. Cat, of, right? Yeah, I had. I actually, I actually have Bam over Cat. Let's talk yeah. about that. I didn't have Cat in the entire list. Really? Which I don't know. I mean, so. Cat after he came back, I don't know if he's averaging like thirty-five. No. And five. no, no. Is he? I, I don't know. He's, is, he's is he really? pretty close. I think he's had a few 35, uh, 15 or 17 rebound games. Yeah. I'll look it up right now. But Alright, Cat's 25, and he hasn't had really any success except the what kind of fluky Jimmy Butler season when there were some injuries. But I just feel like in general, Cat's a lot of bad, or good stats, bad team type of guy. And I guess you can say that with a few players on this list. I mean, not really. It seems like all these players are kind of on winning teams. But uh, yeah. I just feel like him being a big man, he's going to be more of a number two option. And I guess that this whole conversation comes like down to if you want Bam or Towns on your team. And for me, Bam is just a better defender. He's more versatile. And I think the modern NBA is shifting to Bam kind of being a playmaking center rather than Towns, who's going to take a lot of shots for you. Like, Bam will still average, like, 20 points a game, maybe high teens in a playoff series, but he's also going to do so much other stuff for you. I think he's just more valuable as a player, and that's why I have him on my list over Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, I think it's kind of a coin flip, and it depends on what um, what else you have on your team. Like, if, you're, if you lack scorers everywhere else, I think mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious that you would want Cat. But right. I think if you have like a lot of wing scorers, the like defense and everything and the athleticism that Bam like can give you is probably more valuable. I think Carl um, Anthony Towns is probably like more talented. Like I think he's probably like he has the higher upside in the future. But I think right now Bam might be more valuable. But that that might just be because we've seen him on a good team. Like, you right, can't right. really fault Carl Anthony Towns. No one I mean, watches not, Timberwolves games. Right. Not everybody can like carry a team on their own. And I think at this point in this list, like, not nobody can. So, I think if you like put Bam on the Timberwolves, he's not gonna make them a good right, team. Right. So, it's it's kind of a coin flip. It's I just, just gave it to Cat because of his like talent, really. Yeah, he's also like. 24 or 25, he's been in the league a little bit longer, and right now, I think Bam definitely has more potential than Cat. He's on a better team, clearly. So I, I may even switch and go Bam over Cat at this point. All right, I respect it. And I want to get into Fox because we've talked about this a lot, but oh, yeah. De'Aaron Fox is in an interesting situation. I think we should give the four to Max right now because. He's obviously watched him right. most, being a huge Kentucky fan. Well, yeah. 
Fox is clearly one of my favorite players. Um, obviously, team success, very minimal. I think the Kings have always been very bad, and once again, they are very bad. They've always lacked a good center. Marvin Bagley has just been terrible. Not so great. <laughs> one of the worst draft picks of all time. And Trey Luka, right around. Holmes was pretty good, but I'm pretty sure they traded him. And I mean, Dan Fox this season, he started off a little bit rough, but I think he's just been balling. He's averaging around since All Star break, probably seven or eight assists. 25 to 27 points per game off of efficient shooting and he's also he's broken his career high in points like five or six times this season he's had multiple 35 point games with 10 assists the only problem is while he does that I do think the Kings have, with uh, Tyrese Halliburton have a lot of future but besides that I don't see much hope in the Kings but I think Fox will definitely be an all-star soon I just don't think the Kings are going to go anywhere. I feel like Fox is putting up similar numbers to like Booker and Mitchell. He just doesn't have that team success. And that's why I put him under those two. And he's a little smaller of a point guard. But I think he's going to... I have him above Bam, Brown, Shea, and Lamelo, And just because I think he's going to be a solid number two option on a championship team if they can bring in someone else. But not a lot of... He might have to go somewhere else rather than stay in Sacramento. But Lewis, what are your thoughts on... Fox, because I know you had him a little later in the list than I did. Yeah, I think he's obviously a great scorer. I think he can be a good player, and it's really hard to say what he's going to do until we see him on an actual like competitive team. I had him below uh, Bam and Cat, and then also Jalen Brown and Ben Simmons. Um, I just think that those two guys specifically uh, bring so much defense and I'm not, I don't think De'Aaron Fox is really that level of a defender, and they both bring scoring. Like, Jalen Brown probably, he averages, like, very close to what De'Aaron Fox yeah. averages, if not, like, the same or more. And he just defense. brings defense, and he has to share the ball with Jason Tatum. So I feel like, I feel like he's probably a better player than Fox, um, although it's hard to say with Fox because he's been on the Kings, so it's not it, it's hard to see like how accurate he how accurate that is of like him on a competitive team. But I just I gave that to Jalen Brown and then Ben Simmons. I think you could give it to Fox, but Ben Simmons has shown that he's like a top tier passer and defender in the league and I think just those things alone, like those skills, like, I'd say he's the best defender in the league and, like, a top three to five passer in the league. And I think that alone pretty much just puts him above De'Aaron Fox, even though he might not be the same level of a scorer. He's still close enough that the defense and passing puts him above. Yeah, yeah those I mean, Benson, not, that Benson, go ahead, Max. Yeah, I'm not super high on Ben Simmons, to be honest. Yeah, me neither. It's not, like... I mean, there's probably not too much hype around him, but I guess he is a solid defender. Scoring-wise, just not being able to shoot is just not too great for him. But once again... And at this point, can we say he's probably not going to develop a shot? Like, he might get a midi eventually, but I I think he's kind of brushed it aside when asked. He's like, I'm an all-star already. Like, I don't need a shot. So I'm a little concerned with that. 
I just feel like his role is... I feel like early in his career, people were looking at him to be like a number two scoring option on the, uh, on the Sixers. And now people are looking at it differently with Tobias Harris and Shake Milton and Danny Green and Joe Mabidis emergence as more of a scorer. They're more dominant of a force. But I just feel like now that he can be more facilitating, average like 10 points a game, play uh, defensive player of the year level defense. Some of the best transition, one of the best transition players in the league, and one of the best passers in the league. Just until the Sixers can show me that playoff success, I can't put him on the list. I kind of forgot about him, but for the sake of the argument, I'm going to leave him off. Just because he hasn't shown me he can really succeed in a, a playoff series yet. And I think this is a make or break year for the Sixers in so many ways. And I think Ben Simmons is one of those where it's going to show a lot what he can do in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I just, I think the issue with him is he's so dependent on team construction. Like, if you put him on a team where, like, it's a bunch of shooters and you play with pace, you could see him easily putting up, like, 25 a game in addition to that passing and defense. But he's not, like, the most flexible player because of his lack of shooting. And I don't think that, like... Everyone was always talking about, like, oh, Giannis, Ben Simmons, they need to shoot. Zion needs to shoot. I don't think they necessarily need to shoot, but unless the team is, like, perfectly constructed, they might have to shoot. And for shoot, I feel like that's an interesting debate. Like, we're not asking them to be 40% shooters from behind the arc. I just feel like Giannis has taken a big steps in that. He's shooting a respectable, like, 33 34% from behind the arc. And now when he shoots a three, it's still a good shot for the defense, but it's at a point where it's a feasible option for them, and it's not just he's going to hold it there, then continue his drive to the paint. He can shoot it with confidence and make it. And I think that's where Ben Simmons and Zion need to get to. Yeah, I mean, although I put Ben Simmons outside of the top ten, like he probably deserves to be there right now, potential-wise, I mean... I think there are still a lot of young guys that I would take over him and potential. Like Shea Brown. I know we haven't talked about Trey a lot. I'm not super high on him either, but I'd still take Trey over Ben Simmons as of today. That's interesting. Let's talk about Trey Young. I I would like to disagree with that. Um... I do not think that Trey Young is better than Ben Simmons. I think he's a better scorer, I guess. But, I mean, he just, he's not that efficient. And I think that you have a higher chance of getting struck by lightning than Trey Young does to um, be the best, like, player on a finals team. Yeah. So, I just don't, and I think, I I don't know if Ben Simmons does either, but I feel like, Ben Simmons has so many like elite top tier skills, and I just don't think that um, I don't think that Trey Young is like that at all. I think his it's it's honestly surprising to me how good the Hawks are this year, just because I'm so low on Trey Young. But I still don't think that he's productive. I really like how you said that, Willis. That like Ben Simmons, you can say is elite transition, elite passer, elite defense. I guess you could say Trey Young's. I wouldn't consider Trey Young elite at anything. Maybe ball handling or getting to the free throw line and begging for fouls. But uh, I feel like those are the only things he's elite in. And 
I, like he said, I don't think he's the best player on the championship team. I think he can be maybe a two. But I think you'll see this in the postseason with the Hawks. I think late in the game, you're going to see a Trey Young logo three because you just can't get to the rack. And, and if they rest hold their whistles and maybe don't call those petty like touch fouls as much, I think he's gonna really think he's going to really struggle in a playoff scenario when the defense is turned up a few notches and people are really going to dig in and focus on their... I think you're going to see a lot more low percentage deep three from Young, especially in the playoffs. What do you think, Max? Well, I agree that one reason I'm not high on Trey Young is just because of the whole foul thing. doesn't play defense, and even this year he really hasn't been that great all around. So, yeah, I would say that Ben Simmons is probably... Better, I guess, but I think they're close just because even I haven't been paying too much attention attention to Trey this year, but I know last year he played really well. I think he may have been an all-star last year. I know he didn't make it yeah. this year, but, I mean, Trey is still an elite scorer and puts up numbers. I think he scored, like, 43 last night, while Ben Simmons has never scored over 25 in a long time. I'll tell you that. But that's not everything, I guess. I think that kind of leads us into another debate I want to touch on quickly. The amount of fouls the NBA has and kind of... I feel like the NBA is one of those leagues where refs' calls can decide games. Where in the MLB, you really never see that with, like, just singular calls deciding the fate of the game. Like, there are a lot smaller impact in football. There's a lot rarer, with only pass interference being the big one. But in the NBA, refs can have such an impact on the game, and there will always be a game or two where you look at it and say, this could have cost them the game, or this could have gone either way. Like, as a fan, I obviously remember game six of the Raptors-Celtics series. Kemba gets hacked going to the rim at the end of regulation. We lose in overtime in game six. Eventually win game seven, but Danny Ainge says we're too tired in the Heat series, which I don't know why. But just in general, like, the NBA is such a league where calls can change the fate of games, and for me, that makes it a lot less attractive, and I don't, I don't think there's a solution for that, but, and you start see a lot of people exploiting, not exploiting, but utilizing the rules and the fouls. You see James Harden and Trey Young and guys like that getting the line so frequently. It kind of hurts the game, in my opinion, and I want to hear your thoughts on it. Max, you go ahead. All right, well, I think this uh, talks about the charge a lot. I think the charge is ruined not just in M- the NBA, but college basketball, kind of. I think some will argue it's like a very good defensive play, which it is. But a lot of the times, people use it to the point where it's just, if you didn't fall thing. down, you wouldn't yeah. have, nothing would happen to you. Like, there was so little contact that mostly all the chargers in the NBA are people selling it. And it kind of, like, gets in the way of posters that will be, like, called back because of charges or just people not even jumping anymore and just simply standing in their way and then falling down. So I'm not a huge fan of where the charges are going, along with the fact that there's just way too many fouls. Yeah, I think the refs right now, I think it's really bad. Obviously, the flopping on charges, but also, like, when you're driving and there's like a guy behind you the fact that you can just stop and shoot and like based on the laws of physics he's going to run into you and then that's just two shots 
is so stupid. And I think the only way to fix that is to stop calling it. Because these guys are taking advantage because you're going to keep calling it. If you stop calling it, they're not going to do it. And it's there's nothing worse than when you're watching a game and the guy does, like, the flail shot and then they don't call the foul and he just looks like an idiot. And if they just stop calling those when, like, it's just not a basketball play. Like, you don't do that. If you just stop calling that and you just... If you're able to tell when it's a flop on a charge, I think it could just really be fixed. And I think there's still room for, like, getting to the free throw line being a strategy and driving. But you can do that without flopping and without, like, flailing in midair. That's interesting that you said that, Lewis, because it's like a cycle. Because I know those calls are being, like, made. Now I'm mad when they don't make those calls on our team, even though I don't want those calls to be in the game. And I feel like... I it's hard to say, like, oh, this is wrong because it's hard to, like, make rule changes when it's a sport that's millions and millions of and billions of dollars are being put into it and mi- billions of people watch. But for me, one that seems like a no-brainer is where the pump fake, then you go out of your way to jump three feet forward into the defender, and then you get free, uh, three free throws. I feel like that's one where you can say you need to have a jump shot verticality, almost like a defensive verticality verticality when trying to block a shot. You need to have a jump shot space where you can't launch yourself forward. You see Luca do it, where he's covering five feet of ground, almost like a broad jump, to get into the defender and then chuck up a shot. And I feel like that's a no-brainer call that is, needs to be tweaked at least. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Um, there's a guy we haven't really mentioned much. Um, but Well, we have mentioned it, but we haven't talked about him in depth. I want to talk about Shea, and I'm going to let Max start it off just because he's a Kentucky guy, and I know he's one of your favorite players. Yeah, no, I think Shea and Thunder are going to have an interesting future. I don't really know how this whole, all these draft picks are really going to work out for them. It could go a lot of different ways, in my opinion. There's going to be a lot of busts, and it's possible they are going to get a lot of players that will fit around Shea's play style. I mean, right now, all the Thunder's doing is just building around Shea. I think Shea is an elite scorer. I mean, he is incredibly fun to watch, but I think Shea is going to be that guy, and he will be that franchise player for the Thunder, especially what they're doing to him right now with all these draft picks. And if the Thunder can score out on a few of these guys, they will be very good in the future. I yeah. love Shea. I, I think the way he plays is great, and you saw it in the bubble. I think Shea's going to be a really good player. I just feel like he's that build. He has the shot-making ability. I really like the way Shea plays, and I think, like you said, Max, if they can hit on some of those draft picks, he's going to be a really successful play, player going forward. Yeah, I'm excited about the Thunder's future. I mean, you obviously can't make all 17 of those draft picks because then... You have to cut your entire current team. But, like, they obviously have a trade to make with all those picks and picks to make with all those picks. And I think if they can... they've, They've done everything right so far. If they can, like, keep it going and, like, do a version of the process in Philly, they already have Shea and some other good players. I don't know what you guys think about Dort. But I think they have the foundation, and I think Shea has a ton of potential. 
I feel like the cool thing with the Thunder is they have a definite, like, path to a championship, which is crazy to say about a team where, where they're really outside the playoffs and in the lottery, where Shea will be, the their path to a championship is Shea's an all-star, they draft another all-star, and they trade all their picks for, like, kind of the cherry on top, another all-star, and then that's where a big three comes from. And you saw that with, like, Cleveland, where they had draft Kyrie, and then obviously they sign LeBron James or get Kevin Love through trade or see that with the Celtics they draft Paul Pierce then they get Ray Allen and then they get it's just kind of a trickle down effect and I feel like I could easily see in 10 years the Thunder being a very very good team with Shea being a key piece in that and I feel like that's just really exciting if you're a Thunder fan even though you do have to wait for so long. Max as a fan of both uh, who do you like more between Shea and Fox and who do you think is going to be a better player? Well, I'm going to say I think Shea will be the better player. I'm so pleased with that. Brighter future. I think Fox has been in the league for a while. I mean, it's not like he's bad or anything, but I think, I mean, averaging 25 points is still very good. Definitely all-star worthy, but I still see Shea being a better player in the future and having a better team in the future. And going forward, they're both going to be my boys, but I'm going to go with Shea on this one. I would agree. Do you agree with that, Lewis? Yeah, definitely. I just think, I feel like he has more potential. He, I think he's younger. He just has like a more appealing game, I think. Yeah, that's interesting. Do we have any other points we want to wrap up before we... Or we stop talking about move away from the top ten youngest players. I feel like we hit on I most of them. Good. Yeah, definitely. Good, Lewis. Do we want to get into the Celtics? Or do we want to just make this a little shorter, call it now, and talk about them next week after? Uh, it's up to you. Your choice. Hmm. I think we should leave that segment I was talking about right. for next week and call it now and say thanks to our guest Max. For joining us and talking about rocket. the NBA. Yeah, thanks <laughs> the Red Rocket. Yeah, thank you. All right, we will be back next Saturday probably, maybe with Max, maybe not. We'll see what happens. All right, that All right. does it.